strange stories of peculiar people and extraordinary events throughout history. This is Notorious Narratives. Welcome to Notorious Narratives. I'm Jen, and this is going to be part two of our Burke and Hare murder series. If you haven't listened to part one about these maniacs, you might want to check that out before listening just so you have an idea of where we're going. We're going to drop right back in on these two scoundrels and talk about their next crime. So somewhere in the early part of the year, um, another woman came to stay there at the lodgings, and her name was Mrs. Haldane who Burke described as a stout old woman. And she stayed there at the lodging. And after she became drunk uh, and fell asleep in the stable, she was smothered and sold to Knox. Several months later, Haldane's daughter, either called Margaret or Peggy, unsure, also came to stay. And she and Burke drank together heavily, and he killed her without Hare's assistance at all. Her body was put into a tea chest and taken to Knox, where Burke was paid eight pounds. The next murder occurred in May of 1828. Do you think that he like put something in the in the alcohol? No, I think he just drank them under the table. I mean, if you have the intentions to make someone drink consistently and you keep not getting drunk and they just get drunker and drunker, you can always win if you don't drink too much. Mm-hmm. Anyway, not that I've ever done that. I don't pretend to drink. I just do it. Anyway, so <laughs> it's just wrong. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so in May of 1828, an old woman joined the house as a lodger. One evening while she was intoxicated, Burke smothered her. Once again, another burking. So Harry was not present at the house at this time. Uh, her body was sold to Knox for 10 pounds. So I think that... I, I I don't know what the price differential is on corpses. It's probably just like, oh, she's pretty. I'll give you an extra two pounds. Oh, the condition oh, of yeah. the corpse or how much if they were out of corpses at the time. Like if they didn't have a cadaver and they had a big thing planned the next day and no, they showed up, maybe they'd offer to do them with more. Like the actual body itself. I bet it had to do more with supply and demand given the state of the situation. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, because this was an old woman and they got 10 pounds for her. The young woman they only got eight pounds for. Then came the murder of Effie, who was a cinder gatherer who scavenged through bins and sold her findings. Effie was well known to Burke and had previously sold him scraps of leather for his cobbling business. Burke tempted her into the stable with whiskey, and once she was drunk, he and Hare killed her. Knox gave them 10 pounds for her body. Another victim was found by Burke, too drunk to stand. She was, uh, and she was being helped by a local constable. So an actual cop had her and was helping her to get home. And Bert came up to the cop and was like, oh, my God, like, that's thank my so friend much. so much. for Thank you for taking care of her. And actually took her back to Hare's house and killed her. And the corpse was sold for another 10 pounds. Burke and Hare murdered two more lodgers in June, an old woman and a dumb boy who was considered her Aww. her grandson. As Burke later recalled in his confession, he talked about he, that was his description of them was an old woman and a dumb boy, her grandson. So while the boy sat by the fire in the kitchen, his grandmother was murdered in the bedroom by the usual method. Mm-hmm. Burke and Hare then picked up the boy and carried him into the same room where he was also killed. Burke later said that this murder was the one that disturbed him the most and that he is haunted continuously by the recollection of the boy's expression. So in some of the other things that I read about the boy's murder, Mm -hmm. it was said that he actually 
that Burke actually put him over his lap and broke his back. <gasps> and that was how he murdered him. Oh. The tea chest that they usually used to transport the bodies was too small to carry both of them. So they ended up using a herring barrel. And they took that over to Surgeon Square where they fetched eight uh, pounds per body. According to Burke's confession, the barrel was loaded into the cart, which Hare's horse refused to pull further than grass market. At that point, Hare called a porter with a handy cart to help him transport the container all the way to the square. So they're just shuffling these bodies around the city. They're employing strangers to help them do it. But once back in Tanner's clothes, Hare took his anger out on the horse by shooting it dead in the yard because that horse wouldn't continue to pull. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, okay. Now he, now, now he has. A, we're <laughs> just killing shit left and right. All right. Now he has this, like a need nilly. for it now. Yeah. Yeah. Just angry. And so, yeah, this is the gentleman. Hare was said to be like an angry motherfucker baseline. Burke was the one who was said to be this like godly dude. But Burke seemed to be the one who was a little bit more into it. Mm -hmm. So they're killing folks willy-nilly all around town. A breach had come between the two men after Burke and his wife left to go for a visit. And they came back and they found that Hare was wearing new clothes and he seemed to have a lot of money. So Burke was like, you know, what the fuck? And Hare's like, I didn't kill somebody. There wasn't another body. But they were like mistrustful of one another for a bit. But that didn't last too long. And in late September, early October, visiting Burke, when Mrs. Ulster, a washerwoman, came onto the property to do the laundry, the men got her drunk and killed her. The corpse was then taken to Dr. Knox in the late afternoon. And for her, the men received eight pounds. A week or two later, one of the McDougal relatives, Ann Dougal, also known as McDougal, was visiting from Falkirk. After a few days, the men killed her in their usual technique and received 10 pounds for the body. Burke later claimed that it was around this time that Margaret Hare suggested killing Helen McDougal on the grounds that they could no longer trust her because she was scotch. So now the women are turning on each other. So you have... Well, he also just killed a member of his wife's family. Supposedly, yeah. And Dougal, yeah. They're not and 100% Dougal. sure that she was actually related or if he just used that as a hustle to get her into the house. Like, oh, you're related to my wife. You should come in. And at this point, like, how would you know if somebody has the same last name as you? That's very sure. possible, right? So now they are kind of three against one now. So now they want to kill Helen. Yes. Well, I mean, they're all just sort of all over the place. They're like kind of fighting with each other. There's a lot of money involved. There's family members involved. It seems to just get like a little out of hand. And this is all within one year. Mm -hmm. So Burke and Hare's next victim was a familiar figure in the streets of Edinburgh, James Wilson. An 18-year-old man with a limp caused by a deformed foot. He was mentally disabled and he lived on the streets and was supported himself by begging. In November, Hare lured Wilson into his lodgings with the promise of whiskey and then sent his wife to fetch Burke. And the two murderers led Wilson into the bedroom and then Margaret Hare locked the door behind him, pushing the key under the door. As Wilson did not like excess whiskey, he preferred snuff. So he was not as drunk as the duo's previous victims. He was also very strong and fought back very intensely against his two attackers. He was stripped and his few possessions stolen. Burke kept a snuff box and hair a snuff spoon. There's a snuff spoon? Do you think it's like... I think it's like... But I think it's... 
I don't know. It's weird because there was a snuff factory in my town growing up, but I still don't really know what snuff is. Anyway. Snuff is a smokeless tobacco made from ground pulverized tobacco leaves. It is inhaled or snuffed into the nasal cavity, delivering a swift hit of nicotine and a lasting fluorescent scent. There we go. Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pi, People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes, it's sort of the uh, get-to-know-ya at a deeper level, the who, what, when, where, and why you are, rather than what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. Right. And I have no friends, so for me, it's, you know. Trying like, to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to. <laughs> Podcasts on yeah, podcast your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. So, when the body was examined the following day by Knox and his students, several of them recognized it to be Wilson, who was a local figure. But Knox denied that it could be anyone that the students knew. When word started circulating that Wilson was missing, Knox dissected the body ahead of the others that were already being there held in storage, and the head and feet were removed before the main dissection. So at this point, like, this doctor 100% knows that these people are doing something fucked up. Yeah. Like, you cannot receive this many bodies from someone and not know that something wrong is going on. Their final victim, killed on Halloween of 1828, was Margaret a middle-aged Irish woman. Burke lured her into the Brogan lodgings by claiming that his mother was also a Doshardy and that they were from the same area in Ireland, and the pair began to drink. At one point, Burke left Doshardy and the company of Helen McDougall while he went out, ostensibly to buy some more whiskey, but he actually left to go get hair. So at this point, there are two other people staying there in the lodgings, Anne and James Gray. And if they had been anything like their cohorts, <laughs> this probably would have gone on for a long time. Mm-hmm. But they were just not like that. They were actually a little bit nosy and a little bit goody two-shoes. And they were a total inconvenience to the men. So they paid them to leave Burke's house and go stay at a different lodging for the night. Uh, claiming that Doshardy, who was a relative, was going to actually take their room. They're like, oh, this is a family member. You need to go. So they weren't even even considering, like, doing any harm to them. Like, yeah, we don't want you. No, because there's two of them, right? Pretty sure they can. Right. So you can't really get away with a husband and wife as easily as you could anything else, right? So you would be counting on both people. Mm -hmm. They, They more like to pick off one at a time in, like, weaker sorts. So the drinking continued into the evening, by which time Margaret Hare had joined in. At around 9 p.m., the Greys returned briefly to collect some clothing for their children and saw Burke, Hare, their wives, and Dorsherty all drunk, singing and dancing. Although Burke and Hare came to blows at some point in the night, they subsequently murdered Dorsherty and put her body in a pile of straw at the end of the bed. The next day, the Greys returned, and Anne became suspicious when Brooke refused to let her approach the bed. And she was like, I left some stockings in that room. I need to get them. He's like, can't go in. And she's like, but I need to 
get my shit out of there. Like, you kicked me out. Like, I need to get my stuff. And so she got more and more suspicious the more intense he got about her going in the room. When they were left alone in the house in the early evening, though, the Greys decided to go ahead and check things out. And there they found Doshri's body, showing blood and saliva on her face as she was tucked under the bed. So they left, and they were like, we're going to the police. Something fucked up is going on here. And on their way there, Burke's wife, McDougal, actually stopped them and was like, hey, we'll give you 10 pounds a week if you don't tell. And they were like, nope, hard pass. Telling the police anyway. So they reported the crimes to the police. But before the police could get there, Burke and Herod already removed the body and taken it to Knox's surgery suite. When the police came and searched the house, they actually found her bloodstained clothing. Mm -hmm. So they knew something was up. At this point, they didn't know about the surgeon. I love how they, like, offer 10 pounds a week, but then they're just getting, like— They're only getting 10 pounds per murder. yeah. Right. So it was like, they were only going to do it until they could kill them. I was like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the cops find this bloody clothing, and they're like, you guys are fucked up. We're going to bring you in for questioning. And they might have gotten away with it, but they didn't have their story straight. So all of them said different times. So everyone knew that something was up. Yeah, Burke and his wife gave different times for when Doshardy left the apartment. One of them says that she left at night. The other one says in the morning. And this increased the suspicion by the police. So early the following morning, police went to Knox's dissecting rooms where they found Doshardy's body. James Gray identified her as the woman that she had seen there drinking with Burke and Hare. Hare and his wife were arrested that day along with Burke and McDougal. So now the four of them are arrested. So in total, 16 people were murdered by Burke and Hare. Burke stated later that he and Hare were generally in a state of intoxication when the murders were carried out and that they could not sleep at night without a bottle of whiskey by their bedsides and a two-penny candle to burn all night beside them. It's another phone, like the sympathy card? Well, yeah. and that So basically they were saying that they were alcoholics and opium addicts. Mm-hmm. So you have these four. Mm -hmm. They're now in prison. They're facing charges of murder. Knox faced no charges for the murders because Burke's statement to the police exonerated the surgeon. Uh, Public awareness of the news grew and newspapers and... He knew something was up too. Of course. But of course he can't really... But opinion, public opinion was well against the doctor. Many in Edinburgh thought that he was a sinister ringmaster who got Burke and Hare dancing to his tune. Is the like quote? No, apparently Burke is fucked up. Yeah, the most important part, because all of the evidence was circumstantial. What did they do? What do cops always do? Let's see. We'll turn one against the other. They offered Hare a fucking plea bargain, and they let him off if he will. Tattletale on everyone else. He will testify against Burke. Mm-hmm. And he does. I say tattletale because that's what that's what he's Christmas doing. Eve, 1828. The trial begins at 10 a.m. in the High Court of the Justiciary in Edinburgh's Parliament House. The case was heard by Lord Justice Clerk David Boyle. The court was full shortly after the doors were opened at 9 a.m. The large crowd gathered outside the Parliament House and 300 constables were on duty to prevent any disturbances. Mm -hmm. The case ran through the day and into the following morning. Christmas Eve, 1828. So Burke and his wife are on trial, while Hare and his wife are not on trial. So Burke and McDougal, 
who is his wife. I don't know if they're legally married or if they're just like keeping house. So <laughs> I don't really keeping know. house. Anyway, by 8.30 a.m. on Christmas Day, the jury returned um, after 50 minutes of deliberation and delivered a guilty verdict for Burke, a not guilty verdict for his wife. Whoa. McDougal got away with it? Well, there was no proof that she ever actually laid her hands upon, right? Or how much she actually knew of any of it. There wasn't enough proof, um, even from Hare mm-hmm. telling the story. So McDougal was released and sent back home. And when they passed his death sentence, Judge Boyle said, your body should be publicly dissected and anatomized. And I trust that if ever was a customary to pre- preserve skeletons, yours will be preserved in order that posterity may keep in remembrance your atrocious crimes. And on the morning of January 28th, 1829, Burke was hanged in front of a crowd of as large as 25,000 people. Wow. Views from the <laughs> views from the windows in the tenements surrounding the scaffold were sold and prices ranging from 5 to 20 shillings. And on February 1st, his corpse was publicly dissected by Professor Monroe and in the Anatomy Theater in the University of Edinburgh's Old College. Police had to be called when the large number of students gathered demanding access to the lecture where, limit, uh, where limited tickets had been issued. A minor riot ensued. During the procedure, which lasted for two hours, Monroe dipped his quill into Burke's blood and wrote, This is written in the blood of William Burke, who was hanged in Edinburgh. This blood was taken from his head. Burke's skeleton was then given to the Anatomical Museum of Edinburgh's Medical School, where, as of 2018, it remains. His death mask and a book that was bound in his tanned skin remains in the Surgeon Hall's museum. There's a death skin book. I actually posted about it on our Instagram. Holy shit. That is William Burke's. The the book, book yeah, yeah. about his trial that is bound in his, his flesh. Oh my wow. And William Hare was mm-hmm. released on February 5th of 1829. At this point, Burke is dead. Hare gets released. And they get set out. And he's like hanging out with his wife. And they're just trying to go about town and like do normal things. But people are not into him being around. They know what he did. And they don't want him around. What happened with McDougal? McDougal returned to her house, but was attacked then by an angry angry mob. She may have returned to her family's house in Stirling. She was rumored to have left for Australia, where she died in 1868. No, no. Margaret Hare, who also escaped lynching, was reputedly returned to Ireland. Nothing more is known about her. While Hare was released in February of 1829, many popular tales show him as a blind beggar on the streets of London. He became blind after being mobbed and thrown into a lime pit. However, none of these reports have ever been confirmed, and the last known sighting of him was in the English town of Carlisle. Knox, on the other hand, kept silent about his dealings with Burke and Hare and continued to employ Edinburgh body snatchers while lecturing on anatomy. After the Anatomy Act was passed in 1832, 
his popularity among students decreased, and he applied for formal positions at the Edinburgh Medical School, but was rejected and ended up dying in 1862. What the hell's a lime pool? Not lime like the fruit. I know, I know, but how How in the hell? If he got thrown into a lime pit mm. and he got lime in his eyes. Got it. I think it like blinded him. That is the story of how people learn to do surgery. <laughs> Ridiculous. A story of <laughs> supply and demand, yep. capitalism and crime. Mm-hmm. That is the story of Burke and Heron resurrectionists. Oh my. Just another notorious narrative. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, there are a couple of things that you can do to help us out. You can leave a positive review wherever you're listening now. You can also go to patreon.com forward slash notorious narratives, where you can access content that is exclusive for our patrons. And remember, keep it weird and never stop exploring.